Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Generation You Can. You Can delivers smarter energy powered by super starch. Why is it smarter? Because it's steady and balanced without sugar or stimulants. No heart racing highs and no crashing lows. Just feel good energy for the body and mind. This is my fueling source of choice. I am ramping up marathon training while I'm going to soon. But I am using UCAN for my Boston Marathon training in April. And I think you should give it a try too. What I love about UCAN is it gives you that slow release of complex carbs. So your blood sugar stays steady. You guys can get 15% off any UCAN products when you use the code ANOTHER. Just go to generationucan.com slash shop and type in the code ANOTHER when you check out. Let me know what you think if you're loving it. Thanks, Generation UCAN, for supporting this episode of the podcast. All right, guys, this is an exciting episode, episode 156. I get to talk with Emma Bates. She is the 2018 CIM champion. I know so many of you guys ran CIM this past weekend, and I want to say congratulations. I know there are a lot of great races out there, and if you didn't have the race that you were hoping for, there is another race around the corner. That's the beautiful thing about running in this sport is there's always ways to improve, and actually Emma and I talk about this in this episode. Uh, Emma is a 12-time All-American. She's kind of snuck up on the distance running scene here recently, and uh, she did run for the Boston Athletic Association right out of college and then moved back to Idaho. And Emma trains uh, with her fiance, who is her coach, and they have a team out in Boise that she's going to tell us all about. So Emma debuted CIM, won the marathon before the race said she was going to win the marathon, said she thought she could at least. And she ran a 228, which is phenomenal. So we talk about that in this episode, what her training looked like, what the race looked like, what her goals are for the future. She was actually running the race for the Campfire Relief Fund, which is just a devastating event in itself. And so Emma and I talk about that as well. She's the kind of person that realizes that uh, if you don't make what your love is, so her love is running, if you don't make that all about yourself, it's probably going to end up being a whole lot better in the end. Um, And she talks about her passion for running, but also uh, seeking other things in her life so that running isn't all consuming and quite frankly, so that it isn't purely selfish. I really enjoyed talking with Emma and I can't wait to meet her in person someday. I know you guys are going to enjoy my conversation with her. Hey, it's December and I don't know about you, but I'm excited because I'm going to Florida in February to run the Donna Marathon. I'm doing the half marathon. And I hope that some of you can join me. We're going to have a meetup down in Jacksonville, Florida. It's going to be so much fun. The course this year is flat. It's fast. And this is a great race that benefits the Donna Foundation, which does so many great things for breast cancer research and helping those living with the disease. I went last year, got to hear all about the foundation at their Mayo Clinic dinner and experienced the race, which is, by the way, so much fun. I hope some of you can join me. You guys, when you go to register, breastcancermarathon.com, or you can find it uh, in my show notes, lindsayhine.com. When you go to register, use the code lindsay15, and you can get a 15% discount over there. All right, guys, make sure you go follow Emma over on Instagram so you can see what she's been up to and what her running experiences have been like leading up to CIM. Her Instagram is Emma Janelle 
Bates, and I'll put that in the show notes. You can also follow me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626. All right, guys, enjoy my conversation with Emma Bates. Well, we have Emma Bates on the podcast. Emma just won CIM. Congratulations, Emma. Thank you so much. It's so great to be here. Tell me, what have you been up to since you won this marathon on Monday or on Sunday? Yes, Sunday. I know. Uh, it's been a great last couple of days, minus the going up and down stairs. <laughs> uh, I've just been trying to, to rest as much as I can. Um, I'm actually doing a race this um, upcoming weekend on Saturday, so I have to make sure I really rest up for that. What? What race are you doing? I'm running uh, with my team Idaho Distance Project at Club Cross Nationals, so um, they don't expect much, but um, I'm going to try to show up for them, so just try to be off my feet as much as I can. Like, literally ran and won a marathon on Sunday, and you're doing another race on Saturday. Yeah, it's a little crazy, but um, it's worth it, and I just want to get our team on the map and um, try to do my best and make them proud. (laughs) Okay, Emma, I have to tell you, I hadn't heard of you until CIM. And so we have to learn all about you. So I'm going to learn about you with my listeners here. So you're 26. Yes. Tell me about your life leading up to now, leading up to this moment where you win this big marathon. So to go from the very beginning, um, I have always loved running. Um, I always loved chasing the boys in gym class and beating them in the mile. Um, so it was always the the other boys' goals to try to beat me, um, you know, that mile day every single year. And so it was so much fun to compete. And I really back for it. And so I was I was a super hyperactive child. Um, my parents, you know, had a, you know a lot on their hands, um, so to speak. <laughs> My mom really encouraged me to join cross country my seventh grade year. Um, so I was about 12. And once I joined cross country, I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with the people. I fell in love with everything that comes with it, the the trails and just pushing yourself to the limit. Um, I've never really been able to do that before cross country. So it taught me a lot of things um, about myself and where I could go with it. And so um, I really am thankful for, for my mom for pushing that and wanting me to calm down a bit. Um, so then I I ended up being on the varsity team my seventh grade year and we ended up making state and, you know, started started running really well and ended up getting a scholarship to Boise State University. Um, so I was thrilled. I came out here for a visit and immediately fell in love with the mountains and the beautiful scenery here and all the trails and loved the team. And so I came out here to Boise and I was just planning on, um, just running, you know, just to be on the team and just to have a good time and, you know, push myself a little bit more, but I didn't really know if it would take off. Um, I really wanted to focus on my studies, of course, um, I wasn't super, um, talented in high school. I mean, I, I ran great times of, you know, five flat and 11 flat in the two mile, five flat in the mile. Um, so still really solid, but, um, not at the national level. So I wasn't, you know, in, nobody expected me to, to get much better than that. Yeah. But you're a 12 time um, all American. Yeah. So I just 
fell in love with running so much more once I got out here and ended up running, you know, a lot more than I had in high school and met people that were just as, you know, motivated to, to improve. And it just took off from there. And, um, I started, my time started improving so much. And, um, finally I, I ended up breaking 17 in the 5k and that was like the, the turning point. That was when I was like, holy cow, you know, I could, I could really do something here. And so just putting my head down and, you know, just trying to get the the best out of myself. I ended up, you know, being becoming a 12-time All-American and, and winning nationals, you know, uh, my junior year of college in the 10K. And it's just been an amazing ride since then. And um, ended up, you know, being able to be on a team professionally um, out in Boston at the Boston Athletic Association. They took a chance on me. And it didn't turn out there, but um, I ended up moving back to Boise, where I am now, and it's just, I've been thriving since. Okay, so tell me about the experience with Boston. How long did you do that, and what was the, you know, what were you expecting out of that, and what what changed that you ended up moving back to Boise? So um, I don't think I was quite ready for the professional running world at that time. Um, I think I kind of took things for granted. Um I, I wasn't appreciating running um, as much as I probably should have. So I went out there for a couple years and, you know, was just running. I wasn't doing anything else. That was my career. And for it to be your career, it just, it changes your, your mindset so much. And I, once I wasn't running well or as well as I had hoped, you know, you just become really, you just feel not, I don't want to say worthless, but um, it just, it messes up your, your psyche and, you know, your self-worth. And I wasn't, I wasn't coming out of that. And for that to be your, you know, source of income and for you to not be earning that in, in the sense that you want to be, um, really messed with my head. And, um, I just wasn't enjoying it anymore. And so running was becoming much more of a burden to me than, than anything. And I knew that I needed to make a change. And, the Boston Athletic Association was incredibly supportive and my coach out there was incredibly supportive and they knew, they knew that I needed to make a change. Okay. So yeah, you were young. I mean, you went there straight out of college and you're only 26 now. So how long have you been back to, and I feel like I say Boise wrong. How long have you been back? Is, do you, am I saying it wrong? Boise. 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 Yes. <laughs> See, I would say Boise. All of us Midwestern people, <laughs> all of us hillbillies out here in the Midwest, we say Boise. <laughs> I- I did too. I'm from Minnesota, so I I would say Boise all the time, and I, I you snap out of it pretty quick here because people are on top of it. <laughs> okay, yeah, because I actually don't know until I talk to you and hear you pronouncing it that way that I've ever heard it pronounced like that. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely people who just live here that that call it that, but we'll definitely let you know. <laughs> <laughs> You'll let us know that we are saying it wrong. Okay, so Boise. So you say C, everybody, not Boise. Yes. <laughs> Got it. Um, all right. So how long have you been back? I mean, because you must have not been at Boston for very long if you're only 26 now. Right. So I was there for about two years. And then um, my fiance moved out there with me. Um, and then we decided that we wanted to move back to Idaho. And um, it was in the process of, I think, September, October that we didn't know where we were going to live. We just knew we wanted to move back. Um, but we knew we wanted to buy a house out here. Um, so we ended up staying with my, my mom and then, um, his parents for a couple months and we were just homeless and we just didn't know. And so we were like searching on 
online trying to like find a house to buy basically and we found one and so we ended up buying it without even seeing it oh my gosh um, out in the mountains um so actually an out an hour outside of Boise um we're out in the Boise mountains um and ended up buying it and then we moved here uh November ish um so middle of November of last year and so we've been here for a little over a year now in um living out in our in our humble abode. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So where are you right now? Because you mentioned to me yesterday that you don't have internet at your house. Is that you never have internet at your house? So we have, it's satellite Wi-Fi, um, but it's like, it's really spotty and okay. it work very well. We can't like stream videos or Skype would definitely not work. Um, but we can like email. So that's really nice. <laughs> but but we're, we're pretty much out there. We're, we're now we're out there and then we're at 5,000 feet. So it's just, it's hard to get, you know, you don't get cell service out there either. So. Wow. That sounds kind of serene. Now at such a young age, what was driving you guys to the mountains like that? I mean, I think of myself as a young person out of college and I wanted to be like in the city and, you know, doing all this stuff, but like, you seem like an old soul and you're, it, tell me about your fiance and, and how you guys are with your hearts in the mountains. Yeah, I think, um, living in Boston really caused the, the need for a drastic change. And so I think that kind of prompted it, but we've also always just loved going backpacking in the mountains. Um, and we realized that why don't we just live out in the mountains, you know, instead of going, you know, living in Boise full time and then going every single weekend out yeah. to the mountains. Why don't we just live there and then just, you know, commute into Boise and then we have that. We don't have to leave our home and we're such homebodies. So we, we really wanted to make a space for ourselves out there. And we really want to like add some animals too. We just have love the idea of like having a farm and uh. Uh, a garden and just living off the land someday. So this is like our chance. I mean, we, we still want to work right now in our younger years and, you know, pursue running, but eventually be able to retire and just live out there and full time. That sounds like an incredible life. Now you mentioned run full time. Is he a runner as well? Uh, he was competitive before, but now he just coaches. So he coaches our entire team and he does all of our workouts with us. He does like four workouts a week. So he just, he just wanted to help. So he's super fit and he could compete really well, but, um, he's focused on just bettering other people and bettering, um, our, our success. Okay. So your fiance is your coach. When are you guys getting married? Um, September of next year. Okay. Awesome. So we have a date set, so we're super excited. Um, I think that'll be the our my downtime before the 2020 trials um, for the marathon. So it'll be a perfect time to kind of wind down a little bit and um, have some fun together. Yeah. Okay. So tell me this. Obviously, 228 debut marathon, incredible. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Uh, what's your half marathon PR? Have you even have you ever run a half marathon? I'm learning all these things about you along with everybody else. Yeah, I, I know that there's not a whole lot of information on me yet just because this whole year has just progressed so rapidly. Um, so I, I did my first half marathon um, a little over a year ago at Monterey Half. So that was like November 11th. Um, ended up running like just under 75 minutes. Um, it was such a hard race. Very hard. Um, so I wasn't super excited about, you know, 75 minutes-ish. So then I went to race in Doha, and um, that was like a, a few months later, and I ended up PRing by two minutes. Wow. Um, 
which is awesome. And so I was like, you know, I can probably continue this. And I was also working like 50 to 60 hours a week. What? Running. Yeah. So, um, where, I, what were you doing working wise? You mean running, working or like doing something else? Uh, doing, doing two other jobs. What were you doing? Um, I still nanny, but I was also working at Whole Foods. Okay. Um, so I was working, you know, 12 hours a day and then, you know, the hour commute to our house, our commute back and oh everything. So, um, it was just basically run, eat, sleep. Um, but I ended up PRing by two minutes. So I was like, holy cow, this is amazing. Um, running is going super well. Um, so then I wanted to train more and I knew that I wanted to do a marathon at that point at the end of this year. Okay. So um, wait, take us back. What, when was the Doha race? That was January. Okay. That was January. So we're talking 11 months later. Okay. Yes. Um, and so then I ended up being selected for the world half team, um, that went into Valencia, um, because Sarah Hall had dropped out. And so I was like the alternate and so they asked me, like, last minute, like, a week before, if I wanted to go to Spain to run at the World Half Champs. Um, and so I was like, of course I do. <laughs> but I wasn't, you know, training at this point. I had taken a break after the Doha Half, and um, I, wasn't, I wasn't fit at all. So I went there and then ended up PRing by over a minute again um, and being the first American. Um, and so that was, like, my... <laughs> Cameron, my coach, was just like, I don't, I don't know, like, what is going on. Like, how are you progressing this fast? Um, he didn't really understand. He believes in the training, but it was just like, I mean, this is just happening so quickly. And so we were super excited after that and then just started adding races onto the docket. And, um, and that's your uh, fiancé, right, Ben? Yes, yes, okay. Cameron. Cameron, Cameron, sorry. Yes, Coach Cameron. Coach Cameron. <laughs> sorry, I interrupted and you. Keep going. And so um, I've done three halves. So that's my PR was 71.45. I haven't done one since. Um, I was just doing just random road races um, just to see, like, what I could do, what distance I liked, and um, ended up running the 25K championships and doing really well there. And that's kind of what prompted the CIM um, decision was because it was part of the USATF racing series. Yeah, I mean, in the 20K, you got third to Sarah Hall and Allie Kiefer, right? Yeah, the, that's the 20K. So the 25K, there's so many distances. For I the, know, right? Okay. Yeah. So the 25K was uh, just in May, I believe. Um, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but the 20K, yeah, I, I ended up doing super well there. So CIM was um, one of those races that it was either going to be, you know, Sarah Hall or I. Um, competing for the the series win. So yeah, if you look back, I mean, at, at what you've done this year, you're actually someone we should all know, and you should be on our radar. You know, I'm <laughs> looking back at all these, your Instagram posts and these races that you've done, like we should know about you. So um, I want to talk about though, going from Boston, kind of like letting that go for a little bit and saying, I need to refocus my energy because clearly this is like, draining me and I'm not seeing what I want to see and it's not making me as happy as I thought it would. What do you think it was that, you know, you go to nanny, you work at Whole Foods and then you start excelling like crazy. Do, do you think it was a mind shift? Yeah, I definitely think it was. I think, um, having 
your focus on something else um, and having running more as an outlet, um, not, you know, having that as your main source of income. It becomes more of why you did it in the first place. I mean, we, we all start running because we want to run. We don't do it because, you know, of the paycheck. And it doesn't, I mean, professional running doesn't pay much at all. Um, but we do it because we love it. And, um, I, I didn't realize how important it was in my life until, you know, I didn't have it as, as that source of income, um, more just like doing it because, you know, I wanted to do it every single day. And I took time out of my very busy schedule to do it because that's what made me happy. Um, and so, yeah, I think, um, moving, was was also a key. Um, it's just, I just love running here. Um, there's just so many more trails than Boston. Um, not to knock on Boston. I mean, uh, people can get very good there, and people love running there. But it just wasn't um, an environment that I thrived in. So that was definitely um, a big change, and that's something that um, has definitely um, been a part of my success. And it's definitely a mature decision to make at the age that you made it, you know, to say, you know, you knew and you know you're talented and you're gifted and you're hardworking enough to make something of this, but to know that it was time to move to something else and then now look at the success it's bringing you. Now, um, what are you thinking now? Because clearly this has worked, uh, but running a 228 debut marathon yells, I'm good enough to be a sponsored, you know, athlete. So like, what are you, what are your thoughts? Are you even thinking about that right now? Um, yes and no. Like I would, I would love to be sponsored. I'm not going to change anything that I do. Um, right now I, I still love nannying. I still love, you know, um, how we train and everything. And, um, but it also is super exciting to know that, you know, I, I have a bright future ahead and, you know, 228 is, um, a great debut. I know that, but I know there's so much more within myself and I know that, you know, we've only been training for this for, you know, the past year and, um, I believe in my training so much and, uh, having the, the support system that I do have here, I think the, the sky is the limit. So I'm super stoked to continue this and, um, to keep just, you know, putting my head down and working hard just like I did this last year. When did you sign up for CIM? Um, it was, I want to say, um, before the 10 mile, the Twin Cities 10 mile, but I knew, um, much longer before that, that I was going to sign up for it. Um, I've heard great things about the race and everybody, you know, has such a good time and, uh, runs super fast there. So, um, I knew that I wanted to do it for a real long time. It was kind of flip-flopping back and back and forth between, um, Chicago and CIM. Um, I've heard Chicago is a great race as well. Um, but I didn't want to get in over my head. I didn't, didn't want to be racing women that have ran, you know, sub two twenty. I really wanted to race women that were around the same caliber as me. And so I thought CIM was the perfect fit for that. So you want, and you wanted to make sure you wanted to run your debut marathon on a fast course. You wanted to debut a fast time. Yeah, it was more like, I think the main focus was wanting to win, um, just to get into a winning mentality. Again, mm -hmm. I haven't, mm -hmm. I never won, um, a professional race. Um, the last time I won a big race was, um, 2014 NCA's 10 K. And so 
just to, for the, my confidence level, just to be able to, you know, know that I can compete again um, and be at the top again. Yeah. And I mean, that Let's Run article came out that said going into the race, you said you thought you could win. So do you think putting it out there made you more fired up to do it? Did you feel like it was, you were kind of holding yourself accountable by saying that? Oh, definitely. I think, um, saying it, I was just hoping, you know, saying it enough would make it come to fruition. So, um, I, everybody kept asking me what time I wanted to run to. And I didn't, I was like, I don't care. I just want to win. I just want to win. So Steph Bruce ran and she got second place to you and she kind of ran last minute after coming off New York. So when she announced that she was running, were you thinking, "Uh Oh, the competition just got hotter? Oh, of course. She is an amazing competitor. She's so tough, so gritty. Um, and so I knew that she was going to be a, a force to be reckoned with. And, and sure enough, she was. She ran amazing. And so she PR'd. And oh, my gosh, she is just she's such an inspiration. And so it's very cool to see her um, succeed and take second. And um, But I was definitely worried, yes, going <laughs> in. It probably lit a fire a little bit to say, okay, now like it's on, it's on. Because I'm trying to think, who were your other competitors up there with you? Um, I was I was by myself basically the whole time. Um, we had, you know, Stephanie and then um, Sarah Crouch and... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a few other women up there, but, um, it, I was, I was just kind of out just running my own race the whole time and having so many guys, you know, we start with the men. And so I, there were just so many guys around me. So I just, I wasn't paying attention to, to who I was with or anything like that. I was just, I was in the zone the whole time. Yeah. And, um, my fellow podcaster and friend, uh, Mario Frioli, he must've finished right ahead of you. Cause he ran a two twenty seven. Did he run with you? Did you run with him at all? Oh, probably. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was passing men. Men were passing me. I'm sure like we had to have crossed paths at some point. Yeah, for sure. Hey, everybody. I want to break in real quick and thank a sponsor for this episode. Who is making this show possible to put out every single week? And that is RX Bar. RX Bar is a whole food protein bar. RX Bar wants to build things the right way. RX Bar believes in the power of transparency and lets the core ingredients do all the talking with all of them listed on the front of the packaging. You'd likely recognize RX Bar at the shelf. They're the ones that have egg whites for protein, dates to bind, nuts for texture, and other delicious ingredients like unsweetened chocolate, real fruit, and spices like sea salt or cinnamon. RX Bars are gluten-free, soy-free, and dairy-free. No artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives or fillers. RX Bars are great for a number of occasions, breakfast on the go, throw in your bag for the plane ride, toss in your backpack for a bike ride or hike, and their egg white protein stands out as a source of protein that is easy for your body to absorb. RX Bar comes in 14 delicious variety flavors, mango pineapple, chocolate hazelnut, peanut butter and berries, chocolate sea salt, coconut chocolate, mixed berry, blueberry, maple sea salt, apple cinnamon, mint chocolate, chocolate chip, peanut butter, peanut butter chocolate, and coffee chocolate and seasonal flavors too. And now RX Bar has debuted an RX Nut Butter, which contains a few simple and similar ingredients like egg whites, fruits, and nuts. Each single serve packet contains delicious creamy nut butter with nine grams of high quality protein. It's squeezable and spreadable and pairs great with fruit, rice cakes, pretzels, or straight out of the pouch. They have other nut butter flavors, including honey, cinnamon, peanut butter, peanut butter, and vanilla almond butter. I love RX Bars. I 
throw them in my bag, take them with me on the go. I'm always on the go. I feel like I am at least. And so I always have one with me. Also, I love feeding them to my kids because I feel like they're getting good, wholesome protein and it's quick and easy and it's not messy. That is key because you don't even want to see my car right now. So you guys, for your first order, I have a special offer. And this is valid in the U.S. only. For 25% off your first order of the best seller variety pack, visit rxbar.com slash Lindsay and enter the promo code Lindsay at checkout. Now, this is valid in the U.S. only and for a limited time. Again, for 25% off your first order of the best seller variety pack, visit rxbar.com slash Lindsay and use the promo code Lindsay at checkout. All right. Thank you so much, RX Bar. And you guys, let's continue my conversation with Emma Bates. Okay. And so we need to talk about um, the fact that you are running for campfire relief. So, you know, so many athletes up in the front there, they've got their sponsor on their jersey, but this is what you had on your jersey run for campfire relief. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. um, Just keeping up with the news. um, It was just such a heartbreaking thing to, to watch people, you know, losing their homes and losing their loved ones and all these people going missing. And, um, it just really affected me and knowing that it was so close to where I would be racing. I knew that I had to do something and give back at, you know, as much as I could. Um, and we didn't know if we would be able to race even, um, just because of the air quality and just, you know, everything going on. And so, um, I knew no matter what, even if, we weren't able to race that I wanted to help in some way. And so I reached out to the race and, um, my agent helped me get in contact with the, the sponsor of the race here in Nevada. And they told me that they had, you know, a campfire relief fund that they were setting up because, um, I mean, their, their facility is in paradise and their, so many of their employers had, had lost their homes. And so they knew that they had to do something as well. And so they set up this fund with Golden Valley Bank Foundation. And um, they told me, you know, if you want to spread the word as much as you can. Um, and I had asked them, it was my idea to run in a, in a race kit um, with what I was thinking would be Sierra Nevada since they were the sponsor and, you know, I wanted to, to help in any way I could, but they were like, no, 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 we don't want you to promote our company. We just want to do this because it's the right thing to do. And they were very adamant about, you know, me not talking about them too much because they, they just know that, you know, that it's not about promotion. It's about the people. Um, so I thought that was very touching and I was so excited to, to be a part of that and to, to be able to, um, put it on my race kit and have people, you know, talk about it before the race and during the race, um, people were cheering and just, you know, it, I could tell that it was a a profound impact on the people that, that were there cheering and everything. Um, so I knew it was the right thing to do. It's such a small thing that I could have done. It's the smallest thing that I could do, but, um, I wanted to get the word out there. So I, I shared a bunch of, um, photos on Instagram just to get the campfire relief out there into the world, um, as much as I could, but I'm also reaching out to the Boise based breweries and Idaho based breweries and asking them if they could help out in any way that they can. Sierra Nevada has a new IPA that they, um, just brewed and they're donating all of the sales 
to in the proceeds to the campfire relief fund and so they're asking all the breweries across the country to do this as well and i'm setting up a bunch of events with the boise breweries here they want to do more they don't just want to you know sell the beer they want to have you know bring as many people in as they can so we're trying to set up these events and take it further even past you know the race um this is an ongoing thing that you know, the rebuilding process is going to take a lot of time, so they need as much help as they can get. So I'm continuing to do this and continuing to try to do my part. That is so cool. Like, I just would have never known that about Sierra Nevada. And because, like you said, they were very much adamant about you not, you know, plastering their logo on everything. Yeah, yeah. They're a very humble company. And um, I think everybody should know that. I know that's so silly. It's so, like, ironic, you know. But, um there, there's something special. Absolutely. Well, I dig some Sierra Nevada. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what it's called. Pale ale, the one, the one in the green, the green container or the green packaging. <laughs> Do you know which one I'm talking about? It's kind of, it's ironic because I, I'm actually allergic to beer. So really? I about beer. <laughs> oh man. Um, okay. That's so cool. Well, thank you for doing that. And so your fund like you raising awareness and funds, like is your, do you have a page that's actually like your page where you're trying to raise a certain dollar amount or anything? Um, I have a link on my Instagram that takes you straight to Golden Valley Bank Foundation and they have an entire donation page and like where it goes to, how it's used and it's, it's amazing. So, um, I can, I can keep posting about that on like Twitter too, just to get like it all over the place. But Instagram is like the main, the main stage for um, where people can go. Man, it's, it is devastating. It's like, I, it's just, it's crazy to fathom how it even happened. I I know um, they're still, you know, trying to decipher, you know, what, what exactly happened. And I mean, with all the, the rain that has occurred there, I mean, it's just becoming such a, a difficult thing to, you know, um, recover from and try to find the missing victims and everything like that and and to really figure out get to the bottom of what caused it and so um they're they're having a really hard time there i mean the rain helped obviously put the fires out and help with the smoke but um it's it's very challenging now that they they did have the rain so they they need our help man it doesn't even seem like you know reality now this is like so beyond the point, but I am curious. Did you notice a difference in the air quality? No, I I didn't. Um, I think that with the rain, it definitely did help. Um, so I I didn't I didn't notice a difference at all. No. All right. Well, let's move on to something not so sad, though. Thoughts and prayers, and you know anything that we can do for the people out there. I'm gonna put a link to your page in the show notes as well. And let's just give Sierra Nevada a shout out. I mean, seriously, that's amazing. They are amazing. Um, and Chrissy, their marketing um, person was amazing to work with. And she's such a sweetheart. And she was just so thankful for me to, you know, want to do my part. And so um, shout out to her for, for organizing everything with me and letting me be a part of that. Can you remind me real quick how you got connected with Sierra Nevada specifically? Um, so they're the sponsors of CIM. And so okay. uh, the, the race director, Scott, um, actually got us all in contact and my, my agent, Ray. And so it was definitely um, a group effort and just getting everything organized and involved. And so um, it, there was more to it than just, you know, just wearing a singlet. There was a lot that was done. Yeah. Okay, so... Emma, tell us about your training because 
you're, are you no longer working at Whole Foods and just nannying? Is that the case? Yes. So just because I was traveling so much for races, um, I just didn't think it was fair for me to keep asking people to fill in for me. (laughs) Um, so I was like, I'll just, you know, I'll just take this time to focus on running a little bit more and try to recover a little bit more and, you know, just do the nannying thing. And I love it. I get to hang out with a three-year-old all day. So it's great. Okay. So you're nannying one little boy or little girl? One little boy, yes. Bjorn uh, is his name. Aw. And so um, is that full-time? Is that a Monday through Friday thing? Yes, Monday through Friday. Um, it's only four hours a day, which is um, amazing. He goes to school, and so I just okay. pick him up from school, and then um, we do our thing the rest of the day. But um, So it basically consists of you know me running in the morning and then um, getting off work in the afternoon. I run again, usually. Um, but it, it's kind of been difficult um this past month because um my fiance he works at UPS and so now he's he went from working at 10:30 a.m. to now 4 a.m. um because of the just the influx of you know uh-huh. Christmas and everything like that so um i've been waking up with him at 4 a.m. and then we drive down and um down to Boise and then i sleep for a bit and then once he gets back then we go for a run together um, and then I go to work and then I get off work and then we go for a run together again. So, so you run together twice. Yeah. A lot of times. Yeah. It's, it's really nice. Um, we've had it, we're very efficient with our time. So we get it worked out. So when you say you sleep, do you, does that mean you go to your parents' house and sleep? Yes. My mom is very <laughs> nice enough to lend the, the spare bedroom for, for me to sleep in. Yes. That's cute that you got up with him and then you go, I mean, cause if you guys have to drive an hour, you're like, well, we're going to go together. We're not taking two cars. Do you even have two yeah. cars? No, we only have the one yeah, car. <laughs> I figured. Um, all right. So tell me, so he's your coach. Cameron, your fiance is your coach. He also works at UPS. Tell me about your team and who you train with. Like how many people is he coaching and what does that look like? Yeah, it's, um, I can't, there's a lot, um, but there's also like a lot of people coming in and asking to be coached by him now too, which is so oh, cool. After uh, the they, race? Yeah, exactly. They see the success that we've um, had, so they, they really are stepping up and asking him um, what they think uh, about coaching them. So um, we have, Kinsey Middleton was like the main person that we had recruited early on. She just won the Canadian National Champ championships in the marathon which is very cool she ran 232 in her debut oh, cool. um, and so we have been training together um and she is positive and just just a joy to be around and we've also added a few guys um but also another girl from boise state um she will be running at the club cross championships as well and so she's been um, she kind of has the same story as me of, you know, being really good, but then like struggling for a few years. And so now she's like finally coming out of it. And like, I'm just so excited to be a part of that and be a part of, you know, paving the way for, for her and just inspiring her to like not give up on it and, you know, um, pursue this further. So, um, she, everybody works full time though that we have, um, so it's it's hard to like meet up every single day just because we all have different schedules and stuff like that. But meeting up for easy runs is is nice. And in the afternoon, we try to all get together at least, you know, a couple times a week, which is great. But um, Cameron loves coaching people. And so working at UPS is just like a side gig for him. Coaching is like his main focus. So he's super 
pumped to, to be bringing a team to the club cross country championships next weekend and um, see what we can do. All right. So tell me about the club cross country thing. Is there seven of you going to run? Is that, is that what that looks like? There's five of us. Okay. So you can take seven, but um, we could only find five people that have the time to do it. Um, So we really want to compete for the win if we can, uh, but there's so many good club runners um, out there, the club teams. So we're just, we just want to get our name on the map and kind of spread the word about the Idaho Distance Project and try to recruit as many people as we can and see if people, you know, respond to that. And our main goal is to just, um, try to boost the the running community in Boise. It's predominantly a biking community. Um, so we really want to get, you know, the running out there and to, to try to boost that and um, get as many people involved as we can. Okay. So explain club cross to us though, because um, if you were, for instance, running for Saucony or, you know, Nike or whatever, would, would you, still go compete club cross or are are these just like smaller club teams? I don't understand the process. Okay. So, um, you can compete individually, but you don't, you don't get anything for it. It's mainly a a team aspect. And so it's mostly like smaller clubs, like the Boston athletic association would always run it. Um, Hanson's Brooks, um, a bunch of like big teams, but, um, not like just Saucony or Adidas or Asics. It's, you know, the accumulation of, um, just people in the same area. Um, and so it's definitely very competitive, but, um, the, the main thing is, you know, just competing as a team and individually you can qualify for the Edinburgh um, Bupa meet, which is in January, which is a very big meet out in um, Scotland. And so a lot of people run it to try to qualify for that or um, other cross country races um, that are, you know, during this time. So cross country isn't like a main focus in, in the running community, I don't think. Um, but it's definitely on the rise. And I think that the club cross country championships lend hand to that. Now, how do you feel that doing races like that benefit you to racing CIM or, you know, marathoning? I think it just is a great way to get people together. And, um, it's just so much fun running as a team running for more than yourself. And Mm -hmm. I think that it really, um, boosts team morale and athletic morale and being able to, um, train with people for that. It lends hand to, you know, continuing to train together. And so if somebody just, you know, wants to come out and join us for, um, the club cross country championships, but then they have so much fun in it and they see, you know, what it can be, you know, being on a team and everything like that, then we can, um, continue that drive and continue um, working together and to work towards bigger goals, not just, you know, the cross country championships, but beyond. And so, Hopefully, um, everybody we compete with um, this weekend, we can kind of boost each other into the direction of, you know, bigger and better things. I love that you work with your husband and also like, as in he coaches you, but also that you, you guys run together a lot. And, you know, like I really value um, goal setting and running with my husband as well. And, you know, like uh, accomplishing things together. Like even if it's my project, but he's got skin in the game, that's a really cool thing. So talk about your relationship with that and what it looks like. Yeah. 
Um, we were a little hesitant at first for him to coach me fully. Um, that's why I, I seeked out, um, the Boston Athletic Association just because I, I thought I needed a coach that wasn't him. He has always been there for me and he's always given me advice, but I was hesitant because everybody's like, well, you know, it could end badly and stuff like that. Um, but is it actually made our relationship so much stronger, you know, working together in my training, but then also, you know, taking on these other athletes and focusing on their training and just getting so excited about, you know, deciding together, like, what is the best way to do this? And what should we, you know, shoot for? And what should our goals be for this person? Or what are what are my goals? Or what are your goals in coaching? And so we just like bounce ideas off of each other every single day. And um, he gets on his coaching hat sometimes and, you know, tries to, um, tell me what to do. But then I'm like, Hey, 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 now <laughs> you're my fiance. We, we need to work on this together. And he's like, okay, okay. Um, <laughs> he likes to take charge and he definitely has, um, he's very opinionated about how things should go, but he, I'm also very strong headed. And so, um, it's, it's a good back and forth. Um, I think we both challenge each other in, in a great way. And so it's been so much fun and I don't, I mean, I don't regret, regret, regret not um, doing it sooner. Um, but I think that I would have found success a lot sooner had we decided to take this path. Yeah. Well, and you say, you know, sooner, but man, you're so young still. And you, we see marathoners excelling in their mid thirties. And so it's really exciting to see how many years of this you really have left. Yeah. And that's, that's why I'm taking it very slowly. We know that this is a progression and it's a process. And Cameron is the first one to be like, don't put a hundred percent into this workout. Don't put a hundred percent into this training cycle. Like we need to make sure that you have longevity in this career. So he's always wanted to hold me back, um, which is really good. Cause that's what us runners need. Sometimes we're a little too motivated and we push ourselves a little too far and get injured or get burnt out. So it's really nice to have him to, you know, he's been there before he he's competed um, at the marathon level and knows what it takes. And he got a little burnt out. And so he knows exactly what it, what fine line to, to be up to and not cross. What is he the same age as you? He is five years older than me. Okay. What's his marathon PR? What's, what did he do in the marathon? Um, he ran 221 in the marathon, which considering how he, he wasn't bad in high school, but he ran like a 440 mile okay. in high school, um, which is, is not bad, but, um, for, for a male competing at the professional level, it's, you know, not, not great. So he definitely, he coached himself into a 221 marathon and then he didn't want to run marathons anymore. He decided he wanted to train for the mile. So he actually broke four in the mile, um, a couple years ago. Wow. And so he just, he likes to just challenge himself and just try new things and really experiment with his own training so that he can better advise other people in his coaching. I mean, breaking four minutes in the mile, that's no joke. No, no, he, he was pretty thrilled about that. So, um, he's a marathoner turned miler, which is doesn't make any sense. <laughs> He's going the opposite direction. Exactly, exactly. He sounds very wise though. I mean, I love that he knows to take it slow and like, you know, running this 228, the fact that 
you didn't necessarily, it sounds like, put it all out there in your training yet and in the race yet because you know that you have years upon years left to do this. I mean, that's smart because, you know, what if that training cycle, you could have taken a minute off, but what more can you give next year? Exactly. There's always room for improvement. And that's like what what drives me so much is just knowing that I can improve. And so I think that's the best way to do it. Absolutely. Okay. So what are the plans for, um, 2019? Obviously you're going to run in the trials in 2020, but are you doing a spring marathon? What's going on? Um, I don't think so. I think we're going to just kind of lay low from the marathon for a bit. Um, it would be the spring marathon. I, there's no way you can run a fall marathon and then come back to the 2020 trials. So, um, I'll probably do a lot of halves. Um, I'll probably hop back onto the track actually. Um, my teammate Kenzie Middleton is trying to make the world championships in the 10K. And so I really want to help her um, accomplish that goal. And so I would like to see what I can do on the track as well. Um, I didn't have a very good relationship with the track the past couple of years. And so to be in the position that I am now and be confident in my running and confident in my abilities, I think that I can do some pretty good damage on my um, PRs on the track. Man, I love that. You're you're going to take – a season off for marathoning, likely you will do that. And you want to help your teammate, you know, meet these goals. But also then you can, you know, have some fun and meet some big goals yourself. But I love that. And that kind of goes along with your focus of when you left Boston and like refocusing your energy. Like you're not making this all about you. Yeah, I think um, I, I struggled with uh, running in Boston just because I, I felt so selfish. I felt like I was only doing this for me and I wasn't doing it for the right reasons. And so to meet people here, especially that um, are just so excited about, you know, accomplishing big things, I just I can't help but, you know, be enwrapped in that and just like want them to succeed as well. And so I'm just I'm just as excited about um, my teammates training as I am about my own and about their success as I am my own. And I've never really had that before. And I think that I just wasn't, I don't know if I wasn't mature enough or I wasn't um, just in the right mindset of running, but um, this is something that I'm just super excited about. And it just, it gives me that energy. It gives me that excitement, just seeing them um, succeed. Now, are you hopeful that you can be one of the top three at the trials? Yes. Um, I can't, I mean, I don't want to count myself out. That's, I mean, a long ways away and the, the, um, caliber of, you know, American women distance running is at its highest level right now. Totally. I mean, there's amazing women. Um, but I'm not going to count myself out. I can't do that to myself. So, um, I'm going to train my, my butt off for, for those trials and go in, um, trying, trying to make the team. Yeah, I mean, you know, without the CIM win and the 228 debut, you would really be a dark horse. I mean, because you you could have gone into it with your half time. You know, you ran that 71, right? Right, right. Uh, So, like, you would have been, like, the darkest of horses going into it. But now you're on the map. And not just the professional runners. Like, we're all watching you, too, you know. So, um, you're yeah, you're one of, like however many people vying for that top three and like you totally are deserving to be up there and could do it. So that's exciting. It is. It is very exciting. And I, 
I still kind of feel like the dark horse, like 228 is good, but these women have ran, you know, low 220s. And so it's going to be um, definitely the most challenging um, Olympic team to make. That's for sure. Oh, yeah, totally. What will you do mentally to prepare for that? And to, you know, you went into CIM saying, I can win this. I'm going for the win. So what strategies uh, will you do to feel the same way on trials day to get that top three? I think just making sure that my training is consistent and just doing the the same type of training um, that we did and just believing in it so much that you can't help but go in with just so much um, confidence and knowing that you did everything that you could in your training to reach that starting line. Um, I think that's the most important thing. You know, the, the race is going to be hard no matter what, and it's going to be fast, but um, knowing that you ran fast and you ran tough in workouts and, you know, you did all you could there, I think is just going to pull you through the 26.2 miles and hopefully um, you can be up there. Yeah. Did you ever have a moment during CIM? You know, I feel like a lot of us have these moments in marathons. Um, and I, I think it was Paula Ratcliffe that said this on a recent interview that like you have those dark moments, you know, they're going to come, but you know, they're going to pass. Um, and you just have to remind yourself of that when it happens. Did you have any dark moments during CIM? Um, I did, but it was like nutrition related. I, we really wanted to make sure I didn't bonk during the race. Um, so we kind of erred on the side of caution by having a goo and a carb drink at every single water stop. So that's every 5k of the race. And so I just like would drink all of the carb drink and all of the goo. And it wasn't until probably about 12 and a half miles that it started coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to lose my cookies. Um, it was not fun. Um, so those were the dark moments where I didn't know if I would be able to keep all of the drink and all of the nutrition down. Um, so it was never a point where my legs were faltering, um, or my mind was faltering. It was just my stomach not being Mm. to, to get through it. And so those were the really dark times where, um, I had to like sideline myself a little bit, um, and try to not, you know, get out of the way of the other runners so I wouldn't, you know, slow them down or anything. Cause I just, I was about to lose it a few times. So, Oh my gosh. So what did yeah. you do? I mean, you said that was mile 12. Did you, did you back off the nutrition? Cause you couldn't keep it down? Uh, a little bit. Yes. But also I was just like, well, I, I don't want to bonk. I don't want to like, yeah. the, I've just heard so many times of people, you know, hitting that proverbial wall. And so I didn't want to do that. So I just tried to get it down every single water stop. So those were the dark times where I was like, Oh no, there's another water stop. <laughs> I don't want to do this. But I knew that I had to keep taking, taking things down, especially if I, if I did lose it all, I wanted to, to re, you know, hydrate myself and get that stuff down. But, um, I ended up keeping it all down until I crossed the finish line basically. And then just, everything came out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, every 5k seems like a lot for how fast you're running. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that we can definitely, we definitely learned that I don't need that much. Um, we learned for the the next marathon that we can probably back off that a little bit. Um, but I'm, I'm glad that we, we went into it airing on the side of caution because, um, I don't have a, a some, but, um, we know that 
I don't need that much for sure. (laughs) Interesting. That's so interesting. All right, Emma. Well, I'm so excited for you. Is there anything else about CIM that was, you know, I mean, this is your, that's the other thing. This is your first marathon. It's not like you just won CIM with this 228. It's your first marathon. You learn a lot from your first marathon. What did you learn from it? I learned that it is so much more fun than I thought it would be. Um, It is like track races are cool because, you know, you're on the track and everybody can see you at all the at all times and are cheering for you. But there's something about like road racing and especially the marathon and just the camaraderie that you have with the other athletes running and the people that are lining the streets. I mean, you just feel like such a a strong connection to everybody out there and everybody's just, you know, so excited and you just are feeding off that energy the whole time. And you're running slow enough where you can actually like observe what's going on. And there's just so many funny people and so many funny signs and just, Oh, it's just so much fun. And I enjoyed every single minute of it. And that's what you have to do in the marathon is just like, just take it all in and just absorb everything and just, have a good time. It was so much fun. Even when it hurts. How do you do that when it hurts? Um, just try to relax as much as you can, I think, um, is the main thing. Um, don't, don't think that you're not going to feel good again. The, the marathon is so up and down, so you're going to have a really bad patch, but then you're going to have a really good patch and just take advantage of when you feel good and, uh, you know, dial it back when you don't and, and just try to focus on, you know, good things instead of, um, how much it hurts. Now, how many, I forgot to ask you this, how many miles, um, how many miles were you peaking out at to like weekly for CIM? So I got up to 120 a couple of times, but I, but I realized that, um, to get, more quality out of my workouts that I need to dial it back to like 110 to 115. That's kind of my sweet spot. So, um, I would, I would feel a lot better doing 110 to 115. So it was averaging that probably. What's your longest long run? Uh, 23, 24 miles. Okay. Interesting. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that's just like easy run though. That's not like a training run. So easy 23, 24 miles. What do you do to recover? I mean, you know, I'm ramping up my miles post baby real slow and not very fat, you know, not very many. But even as I get older, it's like, man, I have got to take care of my body, like these post run stretches and foam rolling and all this. What are, what are your like key things that you do? Um, I am the worst person about stretching. <laughs> <laughs> it is my weakness. It is absolutely my kryptonite. Um, but I know that is it, that it is very important to, to stretch and to roll out. But, um, also like if you can go to a local PT, I've realized that that's like something that is very important just to keep everything in check. Uh-huh. Um, they, they really understand, you know, what's going on without you even telling them they can pinpoint, you know, this is a certain weakness right now and, um, you need to focus on this. And so once they tell you those kinds of things, or once you decipher those things then focus on the strength training that comes with that. So if your weeks are hit or your hips are weak, then focus on, you know, your hips for a while and strengthen those up and, um, maybe your quads or your hamstrings. So there's so many things that you can do, but not overdoing it as well. Um, I don't do heavy lifting. I just do, um, body weight training. And so just focusing on my weaknesses is something that I think is very important to, 
um, increase your mileage, um, to do that before you increase your mileage, because, um, once you increase your mileage and you have, you know, uh, a weak hamstring or something, I mean, everything's just going to be out of whack and then you're going to be set back so far. So I think strength training is definitely the, the biggest key to, to, you know, um, increasing your mileage. That's smart. Yeah. And I think people are prone to saying, Oh, I can run three more miles, but it's, you know, on the back end of this run, but it's like, well, maybe 25 minutes of strength training would be better than those extra three miles, you know? For sure. For sure. It's all about the little things. So if you focus on those, you can, you can run a lot further. All right, Emma. Well, let's do this again before the trials. Can we do that? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. Let can we let's wrap up with the uh, end of the podcast questions then, and I'll let you. Uh, what are you doing the rest of the day? Um, I have to work. Um, nanny, but that's, yep, nanny, and I'm not running today. I'm. Not, I'll probably just run once or twice this week. So, have you ran yet? No. <laughs> I mean, it's only Wednesday. My gosh, yeah, it's like still so fresh. I've been going on some long walks with my dogs though, so that's been nice. How many dogs do you guys have? Two. Two. What are their names? Uh, Nanuka is the Samoyed that we have. And then, um, Bastille is our great Pyrenees. Oh, that's cool. Do you, um, do you listen to music? I don't actually. Um, I, I was listening to, um, classical music for a while when I was, um, training by myself. Um, but now I have so many people running with me all the time, so I don't, I don't need it. (laughs) But do you listen to music like when you're not running? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I was like, you don't listen to music ever? Yeah, that would be weird. <laughs> well, there are people that just like aren't music people. Like my sister-in-law, for instance, she's just not a music person. And I, I'm the kind of person that has music on 24-7 because it just like oh, yeah. gives me life. What kind of music do you like? Um, it always changes. Um, but right now, I really love Aurora. Aurora? Aurora is her name. Yes. Okay. She's a Norwegian singer. And I just love her stuff. She's very ethereal. I really like it. And you said you used to run to classical music. Tell me about that. So I was running by myself uh, last winter before I really started training with Kinsey. Um, And my fiance had to work. So he would drop me off about 10 miles from um, Boise uh, so that I could get my runs in and like be efficient with our time and everything. Uh So I would be out there. It was, you know, the middle of winter, so it's super dark and I'm just by myself. And so I I needed something to like keep me calm. Um, It's a little scary, you know, running by yourself at night or I mean in the dark in the morning um, by yourself, you know, 10 miles from from the city. So I just listened to classical music to kind of calm myself down. And it actually like got me going. Like once I started like warming up, um, Classical music just makes me feel so good and um, relaxed, but also like um, I can push myself so much further. Um, I think because it kind of like turns your brain off, but you're also like just relaxed. It's almost like a like a meditation state. Oh man, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. <laughs> okay, I might have to try that. I that I usually run to rap music, so it'll be <laughs> yeah, a very drastic difference. Yeah, definitely. That's <laughs> like the, the shorter, like higher intensity runs. Definitely. I like that. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Let's, let's wrap this up. So, um, who is someone fun, inspiring or motivating that you would like to 
sit down and have a coffee or cocktail or tea with? I think having tea with Malala Yousafzai, it would be amazing. She is an incredible inspiration and such a great role model to young women. And just being able to stand up for something that you believe in so much, um, despite the, you know, violence and everything that is thrown her way. Um, she is just an amazing person and, and I would love to just sit down with her and just get a sense of where she finds that courage and that, that bravery. Okay. Tell everybody who she is. So she is the Nobel prize laureate. Um, she was 15, I think when she, um, stood up to the, the Taliban and the, the Pakistani, um, government and she wanted them to know that she's an activist for female education and education of women and children and everything. So she stood up to the government and told them that this needs to happen, that we need to um, give these people education. And she has spread it all over the world. She is an amazing person, amazing advocate for, for, for women and children and has her own fund now, even Malala fund. And she um, is trying to get every, everybody in education, which is just phenomenal. And she's only 21 now. Wow. That is incredible. Well, that doesn't surprise me that that's the person that you chose <laughs> <laughs> just based on what I've learned from you in the, the hour we've talked. I hope that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah. She's amazing. That's awesome. All right. What is one thing professionally or personally that you have not done yet that you would like to do? Um, I would love to travel the world and just, um, just take in everything and just really, um, learn from other people and, um, just, I, I haven't seen much of the world and I don't really know anything about the world. And so just to be, um, a fully immersed in it and just take it, take it all in and try to change things that I can I can change. Um, it's something that I really want to do. And, you know, I love backpacking. And so going, going to the mountains and trying to find some peace there. And, um, I live in the mountains, I know, but going to maybe the Alps or, or something like that. Um, just, to I feel like you learn a lot about yourself once you, you know, immerse yourself into, into something like that and into a space that you've never been before. Yeah. It sounds like you have a, um, a deep passion and heart for doing good for lack of a better term, really caring about the world and people. And you know, it's something I think about a lot. Like how do you decide how you're going to hone in on that and um, what you're going to do with your life in regards to, to that? Like, what are you passionate about? Um, I'm passionate about running, but I think it's because I have always had a passion for, having a voice for people that don't. Um, so my goal has always been to succeed in running mostly because that's what I'm good at. But, um, I, I've always strived to be good at running so that I can use that platform to reach a, an audience that, um, maybe needs it. Maybe, you know, people, so many people don't know what's going on in the world and, um, keeping up with, everything that goes on all the time. I'm just really into current events and knowing what's going on. Um, I know that there's so many people that don't. And so speaking up for the, the people that need help and don't have a voice is something that um, 
has always inspired me and I just really want to pursue that further. Um, I just think that running should be more than just running. I don't want it to be a selfish thing. I don't want to succeed for just myself, but I want to do more. And I don't think there's enough people that do enough like that. Um, so I just want to do my part. Um, I think that it's important that we all have, you know, um, something that we care so much about and, and tackle it as much as we can. So that's, there's always going to be another organization and another charity that I want to help. And I don't want it to stop here. Um, the campfire relief is something that's very, um, precious to me. And I, and I want that to, to be a focus right now, but there's always something to, to be helping out with. And I want to continue to support anything I can. Well, I think that we are hearing from someone that's going to do some really big things. And I think it's, I think you're the right person to be in this position right now. So, um, thank you for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, just doing my part. What's one message you want to send to the world? Um, I, I'll make, make this more about running again. Um, sure. cause we get a little too deep into everything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to keep it light still. I want to keep it fun. Um, but I want people to know that like, if you have a bad patch in your running, like don't give up on it. Um, just try to seek out people that are super positive and, and love it as much as you do and, um, want to, want to pursue this further and you will just feed off that energy. I have found that in Boise and I found that in the people that I am, you know, surrounding myself with and don't surround yourself with people that, um, bring you down or are negative or don't be negative yourself. If you're having a bad day, you know, it happens. Everybody has bad days. Um, so just be positive and try to keep those that you care most about close and be supportive of each other. And you guys can go far in that. Um, I think the, the sky's the limit once you have a, a good support system. That's good. Emma, I hope I can meet you someday and give you a big hug. <laughs> oh, thank you. You too. Good luck with uh, recovery and the race this weekend. And uh, you will be on our radar. We'll see what halves you're going to do this spring. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Yep. Congratulations again. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. So thanks so much, Emma, for coming on the show. What a great guest you were. And I'm so excited for your future in this career and everything else you're going to do, because I can tell you're going to do big things in your life and in this world. Thanks so much for listening, guys, and continuing to support the show. The best way we can reach new listeners is if you just simply tell your running buddies, tell your friends, share it on social media. That is how we get the word out. And I appreciate those who do that. If you feel so inclined, I would also love it if you would consider leaving a rating and review and subscribing on iTunes or whatever podcast app you listen to. That is truly one of the other ways you can support the show and help this show get into more ears. Hey, I always love to hear from you guys. You can email me at lindsay at lindsayhine.com if you have guest suggestions or anything like that. And I hope you'll join our Facebook group. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine Facebook group. Link to that will be in the show notes. When you join the group, I always ask uh, suggestions for guests on the show. That's like your entry into the group. You have to give me a guest suggestion. So I get lots of good ideas over there. And I just started, I know, I should have started it a long time ago, a new spreadsheet with the new, all the new incoming guest suggestions there. Um, so definitely find us over there because that's also a great way to connect with other listeners. Uh, if you're ever in a certain town and you want to meet up with 
other runners or people who listen to the show, it's a great way to connect and do that. And people talk about races and training and whatnot over there as well. All right, everybody. Well, enjoy your Friday. Have a great rest of the weekend. And uh, as always, I'll see you next Friday.